there's that jingle again. Y'all know what time it is. It's time for another episode of 1363. And me. And it's a po- we are podcast from the staff to the people of the Bronx Center for Science and Mathematics. We made it to another episode. I can't believe it. But uh, So my name is Mr. Palacios, uh, and I teach Algebra 2 at BCSM. I'm Mr. Krishna, and I teach Chemistry at BCSM. And we got a, we have a guest with us. Well, we got a very special guest with us today. Uh, sir, please tell us your name and your role at BCSM. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Pedro Beje, and um, I teach um, Global History too. And uh, I also teach um, Art Elective. Uh, for this year, uh, we uh, made some modifications to it. Um, instead of straight up art class, um, we do uh, protest, protest in art and um, music. But it's mainly that, that um, social tremendous. studies, yeah. <laughs> that is great. That is great. Love to hear that, Rebehe. And so let's head into our entry ticket portion of today's program. Kind of go around, ask us how we're doing, and uh, how are we doing? I'll, I, you know, I'll start with Rebehe. Rebehe, como está Pukayo? That's amazing. Mabuti. That translates to good um, in Tagalog. So I'm really good. I mean, um, it's November 6th. It's a uh, three days post um, election. And um, what I have on my mind right now is the same thing that's probably on every um, person with, with a heart, with a heartbeat um, has on their mind right now. And it's the right. rant, the 15 minute rant last night that we, um, uh, we didn't want to see, but um, yet it was there. So it's day three after elections. But when I left home this morning, uh, there was some uh, positive uh, news on on TV. And so I, I feel better than I did, uh, to be honest, um, since Tuesday. That's cool to hear. And what about you, Palacios? How are things on your end? Uh, pretty much the same. It's been, I've been on nerve, uh, for a while, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy time right now. Um, I I was trying earlier this week to try to find ways to, um, kind of embrace this moment in my class and kind of recognize it and acknowledge it, uh, with my students. And I absolutely struggled. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I knew I had to do something maybe, um, but I didn't really know what to do and I didn't want to force anything. So I think probably for a class this week, my kids are probably like, what is happening? Um, so, so I, I really how to, how to, how not how to handle it, but how to, how I should be, like what my role should be in this moment. Um, but I felt like, you know, I also acknowledged that with my kids. I said, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know how to handle this moment. And so I was very, you know, I was vulnerable in that way. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so, so it, was, it was a pretty interesting week, man, um, for me in that regard. So uh, and I'm just, I just want to say I'm so glad right now uh, for this episode and this week and this moment right now to have Mr. Rebehe here, uh, who is a historian um, who kind of can help, I think, put this moment in context for us and really help us 
understand and capture this moment right now on this podcast. Um, the emotion, the feeling, the uncertainty, the oh, just everything. And so I'm so proud right now to be here um, with, with him because uh, I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's so fitting. Yeah, definitely. For sure. How about you, Christian? Well, you know, kind of like the last time we recorded, it's been super up and down, um, just in the sense that it's like within a day, I'll feel like, oh, my God, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like this high of stuff. But then at the same time, I'm like, man, this is uh, this is different. There's just challenges with with everything. And I think specifically in regards to the election, I I taught so poorly, I think, on Wednesday, I was constantly like trying to refresh my page, like refresh the election page on Google and I just, my mind was in a different place. And it's just, <laughs> I have not been that disengaged from what I was supposed to be doing in, in, a, in a while. So I think the first thing that we wanted to hear today is if you could just cue our listeners in, how long have you been at BCSM and how did you arrive at the job? Mm-hmm. Um. I'm on my third year um, at BCSM. Uh, prior to this, I uh, I taught as a sub um, for for two years. Yeah, for two years. And uh, before that, um, I worked at Barnes Noble, the one that uh, closed shop, the one at um, uh, Bay Plaza. And before that, um, I was a teacher in the Philippines for 13 years. So basically, uh, the story is um, the family moved to the United States in 2008. Uh, so that was myself, my wife, who is also a teacher. She teaches math at um, yeah. Rotona International um, at the Grace Dodge Building. You, you, you probably know where that is. Um, and we have two girls. Uh, they were born one year apart. Uh, 1999 and 2000, so that makes them um, eight and seven when we moved to the United States. And um, yeah, um, born and raised in the Philippines, yeah. (laughs) I want want to ask a follow-up because you mentioned you got two daughters. Yes. And they were seven and eight when you moved to the the state. Uh And so as a father myself, Mm -hmm. my kids are not as old as yours, but how was that transition for them from the Philippines mm-hmm. to New York City? Like, <laughs> Father, I gotta ask you that question because yeah. Um, first off, I think um, we all transitioned uh, well. There's challenges for immigrant families. Um, everyone knows this, um, but the thing is, because I wasn't working in my first couple of years in the United States, I was um, I was a stay-at-home dad. And so um, I, uh, I dropped them off, I picked them up, and it was, um, they went to two schools actually. Uh, first three years was a public, uh, was a PS um, here at the Bronx. And then um, we found a good school um, in Manhattan where they received um, financial aid. It's a, it's a Catholic school. Um, it's run by um, Dallas Alien um, Brothers. And, um, but here's the thing. Here's what I uh, what I say to immigrant families, immigrant parents. Um, 
number one, this is always number one. Um, I mean, um, unconditional love, of course, uh, that's a given. Um, love and respect, of course, that's a given. But there's one very specific for, for immigrant families, and that is you got to talk to your kids in the vernacular, in the language that is most uh, familiar to all of you, in our case, Filipino. So, and, but, and so other, other families would say, but listen, how, would they how will they learn English? I figured out early that, no, they're going to pick that up um, in school. They're going to be um, better writers. They're going to be better speakers. They're going to be um, uncertain that's, um, at the beginning, but eventually, because they're, they're young, they're going to they're gonna figure it out. But the important thing is when, when we're at home and we still uh, converse in Filipino, in, in, in Tagalog um, at home, Although when they're together, they would converse in English because um, they, they, they switch. They're now more comfortable with English than, um, than Tagalog, than Filipino. But you, you got to talk to them in the vernacular because there's only, you cannot communicate um, nuances in a, in a second language, um, if, if, if you know what I mean. I mean, tone, uh, tone is important. Um, and so... So, so that's, that, that's the one, that's the one lesson I can share. That's the one thing I can share with um, immigrant families, with, with immigrant parents, to talk to your kids in the vernacular. Um, don't worry about them assimilating, them learning um, English, because I mean, they were seven, eight, and so English, I mean, the Philippines um, is a, was a former US colony, and so, um, um, uh, the, the broadsheets are in English, um, news programs. So culturally, we're closer to the United States than, than, than Asia, than China, than Japan, than Southeast Asia. But in the beginning, and I mean, I was blessed with having really, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to brag a little here, but my girls are really smart. <laughs> <laughs> We got you know, I have to chime in real quick because, <laughs> first of all, Rebeja, I do think that's a really good point about, you know, uh, immigrant parents um, kind of teaching their and speaking to their children in the vernacular. I think what's so funny about this is I think my parents did that with me until I was maybe three or four, but then it kind of stopped. And I don't think it's anyone's fault per se. I, I take a little bit of blame because I'm, I should have taken more initiative. I should have shown more interest in learning the language. Um, I do think that my parents grew up in an environment when they were in India speaking a lot of English as it was. So they communicated with each other in English a lot. So it's hard to really assign blame to the situation. But, but I do think it's really important though what you said. Because, um, you know, I, there's definitely times like I go to India and I'm like, wow, I, I feel like a little doofus right now. Uh, everybody's saying some stuff and I'm just going, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So. It makes important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say, it makes me think about just how, because I, I read a book recently um, on linguistic bias and linguistic prejudice and ling linguistic discrimination and just language in general and how it the social kind of factors that kind of come along with language and speaking a language and even dialect and all of these things. And it's, it's, it's crazy just how much our country and I, and I realized just how crazy it is, um, how much our country erases 
um, people's linguistic identities and just how much, like you're saying, you go to school, you know, kids go to school and they're expected to, to speak English and only English, most schools in the States. Um, and so language is such an incredible piece of culture that I know nothing about because I only speak English, but just in my readings and hearing you and um, just, just all of the heritage and culture that comes with knowing a language, especially your native language and how that often gets erased um, in our culture. And that's the thing about New York City. That's what makes New York City special. I mean, um, if we made different choice, if instead of New York, we picked Denver. Um, I don't think there's much diversity in Denver, but here in the Bronx, um, you're comfortable speaking Filipino or Hindi or, or, or Arabic or, I mean, you feel comfortable because um, you look around and there's so much diversity. So there's no, there's very little pressure to um, begin rewiring your, uh, your, your brain to this, uh, to this new language, this new culture. I mean, there is, it's, it's, it's cliche, but New York City um, is the greatest city in the world. I, mean, I, I don't mean that uh, lightly because um, I, I understand history. I, I, I love geography. I do not mean that lightly. New York City is the greatest city in the world. I love it. I love the, uh, I love the bold statements. That's exactly what we need <laughs> on this program. <laughs> Um, I think Palacios and I really want to hear more about your experience in the Philippines and uh, what was uh, what was school like for you? Like growing up when you were a student, what was that like? I was a quiet kid. Um, I didn't talk much. I tried to, um, if there's a seating choice, um, I would I would sit in the back. I had my friend, I can count my my friends um, in the fingers from both hands. I mean, I was very selective when it comes to uh, uh, friends. I don't seek people out. So basically shy, introverted, um, kept to myself. Uh, the hobbies I developed, I mean, reading is a solitary activity, drawing is a solitary activity. Guitar, I mean, although we, uh, I tried forming a band in high school, we, um, but we were, so yeah, um, the, 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 the rabbi you see now is basically just an older version of uh, <laughs> a high school, a, 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 a rabbi from, from 30 years ago, mostly inverted. Um, but there's one, uh, here's the thing about, um, about uh, school and myself. I realized really early that I, I really love history and, um, and, and the humanities. Um, there's one distinct memory that um, I never tire of uh, sharing. Um, kindergarten commencement activity. My teacher must have seen something um, in me, but she asked me to memorize the first verse of Oh Captain, My Captain in front of the assembly. And I did, my mom coached me. And to this day, I, I can still uh, recite um, Oh Captain, My Captain. And so, I mean, I developed this, um, so geography. Um, history, um, literature, because I was so introverted that um, that's all I wanted to do, um, just uh, sit in the corner and read and uh, <laughs> look at trees, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Yo, you got a favorite tree? 
Uh, actually, yes. Yes, I do. Um, I, I got a, I bought a, me and my son, we were out one time and I brought a, I bought a tree book. A new mm-hmm, tree book. So mm-hmm. we, we go look at some London plane trees, some sugar maples. Mm-hmm. We get down with the trees, man. So do you have a favorite? Oh. Um, so if it's the Philippines, it has to be the mango tree. Uh, there's, because there's so much variation with mango trees. Uh, just, I mean, an endless variation. The tree itself, the fruit. Um, here in the United States, I kind of love um, how locust trees, although they're a pain to uh, in the fall because the leaves are so small, but I love how how sturdy they look. How, I mean, but um, if I have a favorite American tree, it has to be locust. Elm would be next. Um, cherry trees are amazing, uh, especially um, in bloom. But yeah, I, I just love staring into uh, space. And if there's a tree in the horizon, that's, that's uh, the, the spot I'm going to fixate on. <laughs> I, I have to chime in. And I know that, Rebehe, you are one of our premier teaching artists. <laughs> and would you say that, you know, are you, are you big on painting landscapes? Is that, is yeah. that part of the repertoire? Yeah. yeah. Uh, landscapes, um, anatomy, comic, comic books is, of course, uh, number one. But um, an art teacher back in the day, back in the day, um, told us the number one rule in art. I mean, it's his rule, but uh, I, I think it's valid. The number one rule in art, uh, he said, was um, regard Transfer what you see, um, whatever it is you want to draw. If it's a, if it's a vase, if it's a, if it's a tree, if it's a, if it's anatomy, if it's whatever an action figure, whatever. Just transfer what you see on the paper. Um, again, the word he used was regard. Uh, just try to transfer whatever you see, and what you see from where you're sitting may be different from what the person next to you sees or anyone else in the world sees. For all we know, we all see, we all perceive colors differently. My perception of blue might be different from uh, Hume's or Christian's uh, perception of blue. So just, just transfer what you see in front of you to whatever medium you're working on. If it's a sheet of paper, if it's canvas, whatever. Just try to be honest. Um, that, that, that's, and, and I think it's, um, as I mature, as I grow as a quote-unquote artist, I think that's uh, I think that encapsulates it. Um, you you got to regard, uh, you got to transfer what you see from where, from your from where you are sitting, from your own perspective, and um, from there, just just run with it. Uh, experiment with colors, with shapes, with lines use different uh, types of pencils until you find the one that you're most comfortable with. But, but listen, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> um, as an artist, uh, I'm, I'm still learning. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm still collecting art books. I'm still practicing and um, it never ends. Um, and that's the fun thing about. I feel like you just schooled me when it comes to art philosophy world. <laughs> I, just, I went places artistically that I've never been before. I, I got one question. I'll hand it over to Palacios in a second, but I was just curious. 
Rebehi, your biggest inspiration as an as an artist, who would that be? Uh, that's easy. Um, has to be Van Gogh. Wow. I mean, it has to be him. Uh, everything about his life, everything about his work. Um, I'm, I'm getting getting goosebumps just just wow. uh, remembering the moment when I uh, understood what what Starry Night, what was happening, um, and then you learned about. Uh, and then you see a Ted vid, a Ted's off video about how it's uh, it relates with thermodynamics and how um, Van Gogh must have been seeing colors differently that colors are pulsing. I mean, it blows your mind really. And it's, I mean, if you ask probably eight out of ten, well, seven out of ten um, artists who their favorite or most influential or the one they most adore, the one they would most love to have a conversation with has to be Van Gogh, has to be Vincent. Um, so that's that's really easy. <laughs> no, I, you just said Vincent, like as if you called him by first. <laughs> like an emotional with this, with this man because <laughs> I heard somebody called Van Gogh Vincent. I mean, I thought that was his name, but. <laughs> he's, at, he's at Kobe level, right? <laughs> I mean, you um, kind of, He's the sort of person, he's the sort of historical figure that um, if you run into him, I mean, he, he has that, um, that aura and at the same time mystique and at the same time a commonness to him. And you, you wanna hug him, you wanna tell him everything's gonna be all right because we, we all know what happened to him, how his life turned out, but you guys ever saw that episode from season five of um, Doctor Who, um, where uh, where uh, they traveled, uh, Rose, the Doctor, they met. That was a, I, I always go back to that. It's it's one of my favorite um, Doctor Who episodes. And I mean, man, Vincent, where 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 do you begin? Where do you? Um, I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I got a couple things. So. You saying all of this, like spilling out all of this passion and admiration and love for art um, and history and whatnot, like in trees. Like, I feel like, um, you know, he had mentioned earlier how you feel like you're just a grown up version of the introverted <laughs> that you were in kindergarten. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons, kind of like with the last episode with Miss, with Miss Fletcher. I feel like you are someone because you're so introverted, because you're so um, kind of like, you know, thoughtful and kind of like reflective in your own thoughts is that your story and your passions and, and your love for what I, and who you are may not come across to other people in our community. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted you here and Krishna wanted you here to, to be able to share some of this with the community who you're not going to put yourself out there. That's just who you are. But this is a great platform, and so um, I'm just glad you said that. And I feel like some of that is starting to come out now. So, so the the other thing I wanted to kind of pivot towards now, to, Krishna had mentioned, was um, you're one of our teacher artists, you know. And he mentioned you are a teacher, you know. You teach art, but you also teach history. And so along that lines, like you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and we've been in the middle of it for I don't know where we we may be at the beginning of it. I don't know where yeah. we we. Yeah. But, you know, I guess I'm asking from a from a teacher's point of view, how has remote learning, um, how are you holding up with remote learning? We, we did, we had like a test run in the spring. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And now we have started the year with it. Um, so how are you, how have you been holding up with remote learning and how are your students doing as well? Yeah. 
I try to be optimistic, but if I were being honest, um, I'm not a good place, to be honest. I try to be optimistic. I try to uh, laugh a lot. I try to uh, be open. But here's the thing about um, my, my style of teaching, my personality. Um, the relationships I develop, the really intimate and uh, meaningful relationships that I have with former students with happened outside of the classroom after the, lab, the final bell has rung. It's when kids are, um, are, are free, so they would have an option of walking into your classroom just talking to you. That's where I, that's where I develop um, relationships. Um, and it's hard to do that with remote because for some kids, I don't even know what they look like. So, and I, I, I ask them, please come to, come to office hours because in my head, I think that's where we can, that's, a, uh, that's, an, that's an alternative, alternative to the after school um, experience that the time used because I, I love interacting with kids because I can talk about anything. Here's the thing about introverts, uh, Mr. Krishna, Mr. Palacios. If you let us talk, we're not going to stop. Because <laughs> we have, we, there's, there's a conversation running in our heads um, constantly. You have, there's probably four Pedros in there, probably 10, I, I, I lost track. So if you, if you, if you let us talk, we're not going to stop. And we have stuff. We, we have things that we have been, we have not been. Yeah. So I can talk about comic books. I can talk about guitar. I can talk about, I mean, except math and chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> so except math and chemistry, I mean, I, I can, I, I can talk evolution. Um, um, astronomy, I don't know, um, Brian Green, <laughs> but so, it, it, so that's a tough thing in building relationships because the real relationships have, don't happen between the, between the bells. It happens after the, the final bell has rung at art club, at music club, at random um, conversations in the hallways, in the cafeteria. That's where the magic happens and we don't have that anymore. And it it's depressing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's depressing. It's sad to think about. I, you know, I, I really hear you, Rubehe, and this goes, this ties into something that Palacios, I remember Palacios saying this a couple years ago. Palacios was saying, like, if students come out of this class thinking about math, then I've been doing it wrong. Like, it, it's so much more than that. Amen. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, I just, maybe some teachers, that's their strength. You know, like, I just know for me, that's not a strength. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to get a kid that hates math to love it, probably. Like, that's just not, that's not something I'm good at. But I can connect with kids, and I can make them feel like they belong in a math classroom. I can try. I can try really hard at that um, and make them feel like they can learn math. Um, no, I just, I, not to get off topic here, I just think that's a good point. It ties right into what Rebeha is saying. And it's something that I agree with a lot because let's face it, you know, as a chemistry teacher, a lot of the stuff that I teach is pretty esoteric at the end of the day. It, I, I'm not trying to turn people into pharmacists or 
Um, I'm not forcing people to go into medicine or anything like that. Uh, I, I really think, and you say this a bunch plus, is it's about the coaching. It's about the elevation of oneself. Uh, it's about the ability to confront challenges, step out of the comfort zone. That is, I think, the real joy that comes in the class. And I think, Rebehe, it sounds like you resonate with a lot of those same ideas. I do, yeah. Yeah, I feel basically what you said, Rebehe, is exactly how I've been feeling. I've been feeling exactly. It's been really hard. I Earlier episodes, I kind of talked about it, um, you know, when we opened and stuff. And I still feel that. Like I this week, I was talking some, to my students about that. I, I started doing this crazy thing where we are now mailing we are using the postal mail to mail something to each other every other week or every week on um, community and connection mm -hmm. because it's just, I'm at a loss. I'm so at a loss. So I think, you know, I, I hear you. I really, I really hear you um, today. I really do. Man. And um, what you said moments ago, are we in the middle? Are we near the end? I mean, that's the, that's the most, uh, that's the one that keeps you up at night. Yeah. Uh, really. Yeah. It's a good point. Um, now, I will have to ask though, Rebehe, what's something in all this remote learning, what is something that keeps you smiling every day? What's something that has been good? Um, I anchor my, um, my social studies, my, my readings, um, what I teach if I'm doing, um, curriculum stuff. I anchor social studies to four things since the very beginning, since, since I began teaching the Philippines um, years and years ago, four things. Human rights, um, democracy, peace initiatives, and um, sustainable development, the environment basically. So for, for this year, um, I love that, uh, I mean, it, it it gives me uh, satisfaction that, I mean, it's the perfect time. It's the perfect time to talk about democratic institutions because we have this precedent, hopefully outgoing precedent. So it's, it's a democracy um, and human rights, social justice because of um, the events um, that, I mean, that spilled over from Ferguson, from going back to Trayvon Martin. So human rights in the conversation and um, peace initiatives. Um, right now it's number four on the list, but the environment, sustainable development, I mean. And earlier, um, um, uh, Mr. Palacios, you mentioned, um, I mean, get, getting off tangent a little here, but because Last night, because um, I watched the news, uh, I watched CNN with my, with my kid um, who's um, studying remote. I was telling her about Al Gore and uh, 2000, how tough that was and how we, lo we lost something, something important that year. Um, the one thing I love about Al Gore is that he was, I mean, he, he rang the, the alarm bells. I mean, uh, he was not the first uh, to um, to uh, to say that hey the environment global warming um, the, the environment earth in the balance inconvenient truth 
But imagine, imagine if in 2000, he didn't conceive. Imagine if he persisted. And then, and then I remember that Al Gore's reason why he conceded in December of 2000 was he didn't want to see Americans in DC protesting. He didn't want um, reds and blues in DC protesting. I mean, so I admire him for that. He didn't want to see a divided America, but just imagine how different the world would have been if it was him that was president um, in, 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 if it was him at the helm of 9-11, if the, the, the Paris Accords, I mean, this pandemic may not even have happened if he was president, if you really tried to, because I mean, I, I really love comic books and, and there's a lot of what ifs, alternate universes, parallel universes and comic books. In that parallel universe where Al Gore is president, this pandemic never happened because we would have done something about um, deforestation. We would have, we, 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 we would have handled things differently when it, when it comes to environment, when it comes to global warming, when it comes to, and um, you know, we, we all know how, how um, that, president, uh, that presidency turned out. And if, if this happens this year, if this drags on till December, if, if, if the president refuses, if he has to be, I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot going on right now. Where to start, how to process it. Um, so can I ask you a question? So earlier, we, you, you're touching on it a little bit now with regarding the um, you know, politics and the president and yeah. things like that and the presidential elections of past and current. And we talked- yeah, I got off tangent, I'm sorry. No, it's connected because I, we were just talking about teaching and how remote teaching and how remote learning and, and stuff. So I'm really, really interested in how, as a history teacher, right, how you are embracing and, and, and using this moment in your class, mm -hmm. this moment in history, this profound moment in history, how, and it's going to be ongoing, like this week is it's not going to end. This is going to be an ongoing thing. So as a history teacher, how are you leveraging this moment? Um, to benefit your students' learning in, in your classes? Uh, just um, for myself, I mean, um, just find an excuse to hammer the fact that um, hi history taught us that the Renaissance could not have happened if the Black Death, if the, if the plague didn't happen. So, um, history teachers, history is mostly, um, uh, looking at lessons that we can learn from the past. But here's the lesson from, from, from the Black Plague, from, from the Renaissance. So what's going to happen after this is over, after, after this pandemic's over? It could be another rebirth. It could be a different kind of Renaissance. It could be something beautiful. It can be, it, it could be something so Every chance, every opportunity um, during during class, um, global history. Um, today we're 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 on the industrial revolution unit, so that's an easy um, that's an easy um, integration. Every opportunity I can tell them that hey, especially young people, um, you're gonna you're gonna witness something 
amazing, really, really, really different, something that no one alive right now has not even wrapped their heads around. Because we saw it, we, it, it happened after the, after the plague. The Renaissance, the Reformation, Enlightenment, they all happened because the plague happened. So 50 years from now, 100 years from now, this is gonna, the lessons we are learning today, um, collectively, also individually, um, it's, it, it's gonna, it's gonna, there's gonna be enlightenment. There's gonna be a new um, enlightenment coming. And, I, and I'm willing to bet everything I own um, on, 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 on that idea that uh, in 50 years, in 100 years, we're gonna witness something really special, a new enlightenment, and that will happen because this happened, because this pandemic happened. So we survive it, we become better. Um, I, 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 tell, I tell our kids, I, I, I tell our students, um, what this should teach us is we just gotta be better at everything. Just, we, we, just, we just gotta be better. What the big lesson is, I don't know. I don't think um, any, anyone can uh, put a pin on it, but just try to be optimistic. Just try to be upbeat, smile more often. Um, I think that's, uh, that's what I'm trying to do if I'm able to um, express it, if I'm able to do it. Um, I'm glad if not, um, I have you guys to um, give me insight. I have Mrs. Gregov, I have Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Borok, I have Miss um, Walters, whom I have um, at Triad, and Miss Friedman. So um, I'd rather be here at BCSM than, than anywhere in the world right now as a teacher. That is uh, really tremendous to hear, Rebehe, and uh, it's just so cool to just see all your passion about this stuff and just the thoroughness to which you, you think about this. And we heard so much about how it's impacted, obviously, global. What about your elective class, uh, which is social justice and arts? Is that right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm really proud of it, uh, to be honest. Lesson one was, so um, I alternate between music and art. So we did uh, Strange Fruit uh, day one. Because, um, I mean, I, um, I believe strongly that Strange Fruit is the greatest protest song ever. Um, I mean, um, I- Written by a teacher, I, too. It was written by a teacher. Yeah, from uh, from Moshu, from uh, from from uh, no, um, uh, but, but it's a school in Moshu, right? Where Stanley went, where um, where yeah. So and then the following uh, the following week we did uh, Picasso, Guernica. Again, start with the big ones, the greatest protest art, Guernica by Picasso. And then uh, we talked, uh, and then the following week, we looked at um, art from the civil rights movement, sculptures, uh, paintings, photo, uh, photography. Um, and then last week, we talked about Basquiat and um, uh, social justice. Today, um, I have a good, I have a good lesson today, actually. Um, I, have, um, I have a hurricane 
the song by Bob Dylan, um, Hurricane. Love that. So I'm going to introduce Ruben Carter. Yeah. I'm going to show them the trailer to uh, Denzel Washington's um, Hurricane uh, film. And uh, I, I, I love that. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a little proud of myself for, uh, for figuring out that um, protest should be the theme for, for this year's um, art elective art slash music class. That's cool, man. I remember you and I had uh, earlier before the school year started, we, you know, we had the, the Black Lives Matter shirt mm -hmm. for the staff. And mm -hmm. I remember walking in and asking you um, whether, you know, it would be possible for uh, students to have a student created, mm -hmm. student generated Black Lives Matter uh, design for maybe the spring or whenever. Um, so I, I'm really into it, man. I, and I, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this as well, but your, your passion for social justice, racial um, justice, racial uh, awareness. Um, yeah, I mean, how did, was this a course, like, I guess, how have you been moved or how have you been touched by um, the, the uprising that's happening in our country right now? How is this, I know it's surfacing in your elective, I know, but personally, how have you, um, where are you at with it? Uh... If there's one moment in recent years, it has to be Trayvon. Um, when, when he was murdered, he was, uh, he, he left um, his friend's house to get uh, Skittles and um, Arizona IC. And he was at that friend's house because he was watching the All-Star game. So that could be me. I mean, that could be 15-year-old. That could be 15-year-old me. I mean, watching a, watching a game, getting, getting Skittles. I mean, that, that, really, that really hurt uh, what, what, what happened to uh, Trayvon Martin. And then, well, of course, I mean, um, being Filipino in the United States and being embarrassed because a uh, majority of Filipinos are, uh, I, I have to say this, majority of Filipinos living in the United States are pro-Trump. Uh, I saw this survey uh, days ago, uh, trust rating for Trump is very high in the Philippines, in Brazil, in, 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 in India, in Israel. I mean, I'm really not surprised because right now we have um, a, a, a Trump duplicate in the Philippines, running the show in the Philippines. So it's not, so as a Filipino, understanding, um, understanding what, what living, seriously, here's the thing about uh, being a history, history nerd. You, 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 you have an understanding, you, you develop an understanding, you develop, um, and, and my understanding of the United States is, I mean, can I transition to music uh, real quick? Um, Absolutely. Um, Robert Johnson, the blues. Um, my dream, um, when I realized that uh, the family is going uh, to be moving to the United States, one of the first um, that excited me most was, wow, I'm going to be able to see the Mississippi Delta where the blues was born. I'm going to be able to, uh, to touch Robert Johnson's gravestone. I'm going to be able to see um, an actual 
jazz band in in New Orleans. And the more I understand, the more I try to uh, think about what I love most about music is it's rooted in black history. It's rooted in in the African experience. Um, I think it's understanding that um, that aspect of the American experience of American history, it permeates everything. It, it has to be in every conversation. <clears throat> well, I think it's been, it's just been really interesting hearing all this stuff. And um, now I want to kind of keep things a little bit lighter and transition. Because <laughs> <to. laughs> this is very, this is just very, uh, it's, it's interesting. And we're so glad to have you on here. Just the thoughts have been uh, really high level, very, a um, lot of depth to them. And now I have to ask something kind of silly, which is, so what's, what's the best Filipino restaurant in NYC? Queens. <laughs> um, in Queens, you said. Yeah, it's in Queens. Um, it's called, um, it's called Perlas, P-E-R-L-A-S uh, in Queens. In, uh, in Manhattan, uh, it has to be Jeepney. I've been to Jeepney. Um, did you try the balut? I did not. I did not. I had like the, um, it was like some Filipino chicharron or something. Oh, like that. Yeah. 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 Mr. Palacios, let me describe balut for you. Are you familiar with balut? Bang, before you yeah. say anything. Um, anytime uh, Krishna brings up food on this podcast, I always feel so left out because I'm not. <laughs> Has to put me on and be like, all right, let me break this down for Palacios. Let me let him know what's up. So I appreciate you uh, including me on this. Go, go ahead. So let, let me describe Balut. It's um, it's duck embryo basically. So think about it for a moment. It's duck embryo. So you crack it open, and there's um, and you see the an 18 day old duck chick. Um, swimming in that's one. <laughs> There's lots of funny YouTube videos where um, Americans Europeans are uh, challenged to um, eat balut, and I find it so funny because we gr we we grow up eating this in the Philippines. <laughs> wow. People are grossed out by it, and I get it, but yeah. <laughs> I got one for you. We got a little bit. I got I got another question for you. Um, uh, if you were featured, this this we go. Oh. I take a minute to yeah, think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. On the local news, yeah, so yeah. was on ABC, yeah. NBC, whatever. <laughs> uh, what would you most likely be on the news for? Hopefully, something good. Hopefully, something. Maybe I save the cat. Or a neighbor's neighbor's dog. Hopefully, 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 something good. Uh, I hate to be. I mean, <laughs> hopefully, something good. Um, Have you ever been on the news for anything? Actually, not news, but um, back in the Philippines. Um, so um, uh, we were 
invited myself, a couple of co-teachers, we're, we were invited to be an audience for a game show. And um, near the end, in the middle of it, uh, the, jack, uh, the, the jackpot question, the, the host, uh, hostess uh, turned around and asked the audience, and if you know the answer, and I raised my hand, I gave it, and she invited me. Um, but YouTube wasn't a thing then, so there's, there's no clip of it. But I have, a, I have a picture, so that's my 15 minutes uh, uh, right there. I wasn't interviewed or anything, but we had, um, I think, two-minute conversation. Because um, I have trivia. I swim in trivia. I love trivia. I have random. I have... I have random facts I have. So I would watch Jeopardy and I, I should be in there. I would watch Wants to be, be a Millionaire. And so yeah, um, that's my 15 minutes. Um, a TV host uh, asked me <laughs> to uh, be on the stage because I asked the, uh, because she asked the job pot question and uh, I gave the answer. <laughs> You got on TV because of your knowledge of trivia. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't happen again. It's embarrassing. Good stuff. Um, and then just kind of a, another, just keeping it light type of stuff. Uh, what about like last song you listened to? Oh, Hurricane. <laughs> yeah, Hurricane. Because um, there's another version, uh, Annie DeFranco uh, performed it as well. So I've been trying to uh, listen to different versions of um, Hurricane. But yeah, Hurricane, in preparation for today's um, art, um, art class. Yes, I, you know, I think I first heard that song when I was like a little kid. And mm. my, dad, my dad used to play like Bob Dylan in the house and mm. stuff like that. And I just remember the line that always got me was like, the let the red light flashing in the new jersey night oh man it was just so vivid and then there's that denzel washington movie hurricane um yeah. i don't know if you've seen it but yeah i have, I have yeah yeah that that is it's definitely a memorable song all right Rebecca, hey, you ready for another one we're throwing fire at you today yeah 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 sure sure go for it so i want you to think about fruit now you kind of mentioned the fruit earlier and yeah. i a diff don't use mango. <laughs> what best represents you? Actually, that's all I have to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, to be honest, that's all I have. Uh, but I, I got a follow up then. So, sure, sure. The, the, the question, like, so why that? Why do you feel yeah. you know, I, why does a mango if yeah. you have? Through why choose the mango to represent Mr. Lebehe? Why, 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 what about a mango represent you? No two mangoes stays the same. Mm. Um, there's multiple species of it, and even with one species, um, th there's just no two mangoes that taste the same. So um, uh, it's just so it's 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 just it's just a special uh, fruit. And uh, it's very diverse, and um, you can't you can't tell how good or bad that that bite is that that piece of mango is until you've tasted it, until you've chewed on it. 
I think um, that goes for, I'd like to think that that's, that goes for me as well. You won't know Rabehe until you, uh, you, you, you talk to him until you, um, so I, 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 I honestly don't have a second. <laughs> I like that. I like that because it goes to your interview. It's why this podcast. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. That was a nice time. I like that. It was very, very fitting. All right. Um, so, Rebehe, we're going to transition into our last segment, mm -hmm. which is last call for lunch. So, I'm going to queue up De La Rosa. Last call for lunch. <laughs> I love it. So um, this is our last segment. Uh, it's called Last Call for Lunch, as we said. And so we um, always ask our guests to uh, reflect on the title of this podcast, which is 1363 and Me. And so we would like you to take a minute or two and just tell us, uh, what does it mean to be part of 1363 Fulton Avenue? What, what does it mean to be part of the BCSM community? Um, I've been around. I worked as a sub um, in the Bronx, I think I think I hit every district in the Bronx. I think I did. Um, I was in high school classes, middle school, elementary. I once or twice I was even at a kindergarten class. And I say this without hesitation. I'd rather be at BCSM right now at this moment in history than anywhere else. Um, and it hits you. And it hits you in the most unexpected moments. I mean, you look at a kid. Um, here's a very specific moment from uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, 7.30 in the morning. Um, I, I think she's a freshman because I don't recognize her. So a, fresh, um, a freshman kid, girl um, in uniform. Um, she was walking by herself head down, um, she had her um, earphones on. And she was by herself and, and it hit me. I mean, this kid can be at home doing this remotely, but she decided to be in the building. She knows that it's gonna be a different experience. She knows that um, it's not what she expected high school to be, but she's here in the building. She decides to be in the building because she understands that we have something special here in this building. It hits you in small moments. Um, we have our, our virtual meetings. Someone probably, um, she can see right now, I'm looking at her, probably in this past, um, writes something in the chat. And it's so profound, it's so meaningful. She speaks for you. And so you think, wow, this place, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe Mrs. Bora, Mr. Tom allowed me to be here. I'm just so humbled. And I make mistakes. I keep making mistakes. But it's so humbling to be here. I, I would, I would, I, I'm just so thankful that the pandemic found me here, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I appreciate that you said that and how you framed it, how, because during this moment, during this, as we were saying earlier, as, during this unique moment in history, you know, for us to find ourselves where we are and to recognize um, how special it is to be who we are around, what we are around, 
and to understand that and to really be grateful for that. And just, I hear the gratitude in your voice and in your tone and in your spirit and to recognize that. Um, I think just as, as thankful as you are to be here, I think BCSM community is equally thankful um, to have someone so humble, so grateful. Thank so you for humble, saying that. So Thank passionate. you for saying that. So I, I'm just, I'll speak on behalf of BCSM community in, in that regard. Here, here. <laughs> You're both so kind. Very much agree with Palacios on that. Um, well, that was a really wonderful time getting a chance to talk to you. Was there anything that you would like to add as we kind of ship out for the day? One, one final thing. Um, Go ahead. Very, very last. And I'm surprised that um, it wasn't brought up knowing that um, Mr. Palacios plays a mean basketball game and that uh, you are a hardcore Celtics. Um, yes. Mr. Christian, like myself. We, we never mentioned Boston. So um, I'm Rebehe and I have loved the Celtics all my, all my life. <laughs> now, I, I do have to ask, is, is the Miami Heat your second favorite team because they got a Filipino coach? Um, no, no, <laughs> not really. I mean, I love... Um, Alonso Morning, so yes, uh, I kind of have an affinity for, uh, for, but to be honest, I don't have a second. I, I, I really don't. I mean, uh, I live in New York City and yeah. Walt Frazier, I mean, Louis Reed, I know the history, who doesn't love Patrick, but no, there's no number two. It's, 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 it's live and die with, with, with Boston. Yes, there it is. There it is. <laughs> a Boston, and he wants the world to know Boston or die. And so what you're telling us is when the NBA season gets back open, we're going to have to have you back on so you can preach about yourself. Man. We, yes. we really appreciate you being on with us, Rebehe. This was a lot of fun. You took us a lot of places today, man. You guys are awesome. I mean, um, yeah, man, we appreciate it. This, this is a... Um, um, I'm, I'm just flattered that you, you even considered having me here. So I'm, I'm humbled, I'm thankful. And uh, for what it's worth, I hope um, someone out there who is listening to this um, can have, uh, is able to develop a, um, an understanding of how people like myself People who are wired like myself, how we think, how we feel, and how we communicate. So thank you for giving me a voice, and thank you for letting me um, be a part of this. Pleasure was all ours, Rebe. Hey, and you know what? Uh, I was looking at some of like the stats for our podcast, and there have been downloads abroad. There's so who knows? <laughs> this interview might get downloaded by someone in the Philippines. And <laughs> <laughs> More about yeah. <laughs> We're out here, man. Have a good one. We'll see y'all later. Bye. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Peace and love. Bye.